Welcome to Keeping It Real with Frankie D, the very first Italian-American podcast and the home of your Italian-American moment. I'm your very proud host, Frankie D, and we can be heard at ItalianAmericanLife.com, on iTunes, Stitcher, your podcast app. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. My guest today is truly a master of his craft. He is pizza maker extraordinaire, Al Santillo from Santillo's Brick Oven Pizza in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Al, welcome to the show. Frank, it's a pleasure, and I've been looking forward to it all week. Well, thank you very much. I have been looking forward to this ever since approximately, uh, when was it? The end of September. My son came home. He said, get a bag. We are leaving. I said, what? What are you talking about? He shows me his phone with a plane ticket on it. And it had my name and it was leaving in 90 minutes. It's a true story. I had no idea. I grabbed, I think, a, uh, a plastic bag. I put my uh, toothbrush in it. We took off for uh, New Jersey and he took me to your pizzeria in Elizabeth. Uh Quite a place. Very interesting. We had a rental car. We got two pizzas, one each. We put it on the top of the hood in the parking lot next door, the church that is next door to your pizzeria. I took one bite. I said, oh, my God. I took more bites, and it got better and better and better. And, Al, without bullshitting you, it was the best pizza I ever had in America. It was a great experience. Well, tell us about the history, because this is not your average everyday pizzeria. It dates back to 1918. I got to give you a saying that goes along with your experience. My father would tell people, and I learned this saying, and here it is. This is the pizza that's made for your blood. Wow, I like that. Very true. Very, very true. So who started the business? Well, here's what happened. My grandfather came here in 1912. I guess he started in Brooklyn. Then he had a connection in Elizabeth. Elizabeth had a big Italian section even back then. We called Peterstown. So now there was a bakery over there already called Novello's Bakery. And this guy, Novella, his name was Laborio or something. I actually have pictures of this guy and, and his bread truck and all that. I can share that. But this was, you were talking about, this is like 1912. And uh, they only had bread, bread back then. People don't understand. Those Italians were poor. They were happy just to have bread. They weren't, they, they had restaurants, but these people weren't going to restaurants. They were just happy to get food. So now... My grandfather worked at this Novello's bakery and he wound up buying the bakery. And I know where that original location was. That was on Center Street in Elizabeth. That oven is knocked down. That is two family house there. And then my grandfather, he had his own bakery built on 702 Fourth Avenue with this same type of brick oven. And that building is still there. But they knocked the oven down and they took that piece of property. Same thing. They put a two-family there. So people don't want to run these ovens. You know, it's just like it's too much work for not enough payola. And it's just like a thing of the past. So they that oven's gone. 
Then my grandfather had an, another place for a while over on Magnolia Avenue in Elizabeth. Same story there. Somebody bought it after my grandfather died in 59. I went over there to see the place and they took the oven out of there and they made it into living space. It was such, it was emotional experience for me because I never really went there. And I went around the back where the remains of the oven were and I picked up the bricks and I smelled the bricks and I could still smell like the fire that, that had been burning on these bricks for all those years. Like you could smell the, the fire in the bricks. But now if you go back now, all that all that's gone now. That was a few years ago. And my father bought this location in 1957, specifically because it has the brick oven here. Then this brick oven was built very early 1920s, might be older than that. If you ever been to Frank Pepe's up in Connecticut, he actually has two ovens. The original one on the left, he calls the spot. If you go to that one, this looks like the same model oven as mine. I looked inside the oven. It really looks like the same oven. And um, that was like, he said it was built in the 1890s. So even if mine was built maybe in 1920, it was still the, it was still building this model. It's mostly like 99% brick. And it's amazing because if you know history, the price of steel was still very expensive, I guess, until... They had the Bessemer method or whatever they called it. I used to know all that. But there's only, in this whole oven, there's only a few, like two pieces of, there's two steel rods, basically, that, that goes across the top of the whole oven, and then it's got, like, clamps on it. And that's how they keep the low arch in the oven. So this oven, I'm going to still say is state of the art because nothing, they never built anything any better. This is a true oven. Any other oven that you ever gonna have is more just like a hot box with heat hooked up to it. By that I mean oven is supposed to hold heat. I this oven right now, the last time I heated it up was Sunday night, and I went over there. And if you want, you can still heat up a slice of pizza or something in it. It's, it will stay hot for like up to two weeks. That's how massive the, the oven is. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And um, if anybody tells you different, this is how we grew up, like the Italians and all the people in general. That's why they have the kids starting to play piano like at five years old so that it becomes ingrained in you. So I'd say my, the Italians had me working over here when I'm five years old. Like, what, what work could I do? Hand my father a piece of dough. You had to go to like where the old coal was and you picked out the good pieces of coal that were still good. And then maybe like in front of the oven, if some of the breads needed to be cooked a little longer, they weren't, didn't come out perfect. I could put like five loaves of bread in there and like let them cook a few more minutes. You know, a little, I standing on a milk box. But uh, it was a lot, lot of fun. I would, I'd be the entertainment. Like they had, my father liked those big, remember those real big radios they used to have back in the day? They're like the size of a refrigerator. They have, I forget what they call those. He'd have that, and then they'd put me on the milk cart front, cart in front of it, and then I'd be singing while the while the men were, um, you know, rolling the dough and making the bread. I had a, I had a great uncle over here. His name was Nick, and he was actually born in the eighteen nineties. So I like remembering that I worked with people that were born in the nineteenth century, and believe me when I tell you, it was a whole different mentality back then when they worked. 
they really worked. There was like no BS. They were like, they were working as hard as they could, as fast as they could. They, they were good guys and, and they were making, they had a really great product they were making and they believed in their product and they weren't going to let anybody interfere with them making, you know, the, with what they're supposed to be making. They weren't, they weren't cheapening the product in any way, time or material or nothing. They, they got the, they went through the whole process, baked it in the brick oven. Oh, and the bread that I make today is the same exact way because sometimes you got to change the recipe. Not that you change the recipe, but if you, the ingredients aren't right, then you know you got to shop around and get different ingredients. There's a certain taste that Santola's has to have. And you can't get that. You just can't go buy any ingredients. You have to really have the best ingredients. Or, or there's, no, there's no substitute for having the best ingredients right now. It used to be sometimes, sometimes you could still shop around and, and maybe get something a little less money that's that's better. Like that happens on occasion. But for the most part, for the most part, that's not going to happen anymore because how they got the world all figured out. If you want something that's a little bit better, it's going to cost you a little bit more. So unless, unless, you know, like I said, sometimes you could get lucky if you shop around good. Cause I'm a good shopper like that. That's like the first thing they taught me when I was a kid, when I, they used to take me down to the Italian market and teach me how to shop. I tell you what, I'm a good shopper for ingredients. Like I do that. Like, like, just like I'm breathing, like, and I could do that. Like flawlessly. I could just look at the produce or the ingredients and I could t tell you how good they are. I don't even have to sample them. I could tell just by looking at them. And, uh, I'm really good because the to make to make a really good product like this, it's really fifty percent of your efforts got to go into shopping for the ingredients. If you don't have the right ingredients, you know it, uh, you, you you can't make uh, chicken soup out of chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> the one guy used to say, he used to say, you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Very true. Would you say the other parts of it are the oven itself and then just your know-how? Well, listen, my father also had the saying, it was, if you want to know what it takes, it takes speed, knowledge, and timing to make a good baker. You got to be fast, you got to have speed, and you got to have timing because everything got to be done at just the right time. When you roll the dough, and then you got to wait till, let's say, it's just the right size to shape the dough. And then you got to get it in the oven at just the right time. So like sometimes you're moving like in, you have to move, move like in four different gears, synchronized gears. That's what they like sometimes. Sometimes you could go down to first gear, but sometimes you got to go right into fourth gear. Man. And that's impossible for a lot of people to do. They, they thought of people can't shift gears like that. And that's what you got to be able to do to, to make this product the proper way that's like really physical working and you got to be able to shift gears sometimes you're in second gear sometimes you're in third but you got to move at different speeds and you got to have power behind you too you got when you're doing things you're putting a lot of power a lot of times you put if i make it look easy but a lot of times i got to put a lot of power into what i'm doing to make it happen a lot of oomph so speed knowledge and i got a lot a lot of knowledge now because i've been doing it for more than 50 years i never thought i'd have could get better than I was, but I'm actually getting better. And uh, speed, knowledge, and time. I talked about all three of them. So those are the three ingredients you need as a baker.
but you really have to have this brick oven. You have to have a lot of years experience with it because, all right, I could come here and show you and you could bake one or two pies and have them come out good. But I filled this oven up sometimes with 20 or 30 pies and everyone's kind of come out of there perfect. Like it achieves its own perfection. Everyone's in the right original creation because you have to know when to put it in the oven. You got to know when to turn it. You got to know when to move it around. You got to know when you got to check it. And then you have to look at it and see if it's, see the biggest thing with me is I was taught that when you're baking, you always have to bake more to the well done side because it's never always going to come out perfect. That's hard to get it perfect every time. So you're going to favor more to the well done side because the worst thing you want to do is take the bread out of the oven and it's not all the way cooked. And so that's the way it's supposed to be. So now when I'm baking, I'm looking at everything and it's really, really like a hard thing. If you have something that Say if I put a big Sicilian pie in there with a lot of toppings, that could take 20 minutes to cook. If I just put like a little small round pie in there, that could cook in five or six minutes. So that's what I'm saying. You just can't go by how much time it's got to be in there. You got to look at it and you got to figure out how long it's been in there and look at it and, and see if it's cooked all the way through. Because there's really only one way of baking. Your stuff's got to be cooked through and through. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that are going to eat the stuff half cooked because there's plenty of people that'll eat that. But like, I wasn't raised for that. You know, I was raised that everything had to be done the right way. And they, they believed in, uh, you know, doing everything the right way, cook, cooking it the right way. Well, so, speaking of the timing part though, your menu, I, I think it's very unique. You actually advertise, pick the minutes. <laughs> so I could say, I would like uh, a round pizza for eight minutes. Right. Okay. So how in the hell do you have all these pizzas in there with different minutes? And I just, it's amazing how you could be in charge of all that. You're not kidding. Well, I'm a really, really good baker. That's what I'm saying. Nobody else could do it. Like if you wanted to come here and do a couple of pies, yeah, you could, you know what I'm saying? And my father, he would rent out the oven once in a while. There was there'd be people like they came from Italy, and 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 the guy even owned big factories. But he would like to come here around the holidays, and he'd rent the oven out to make all this special stuff for his factory. But certain people can put put a product out of here. It's not impossible, but for what I'm doing, it's it's really quite impossible for anybody else to do because. Let me tell you, you don't understand how hard that is. I put one pie in that oven and it gets messed up in that oven. Like it comes off the peel or it's got a hole in it or something. you got a big major disaster going on in that oven. I mean, and it's very easy to go in there and try to take something off of there and have it mess up on you. Now, do you have like timers and clocks and things of that nature? Or is this just your... I don't really need the timers, but they're they're really good because I use them. Like it, it, it reminds me to go over there and check them because you got to forget. Remember them running the oven. I do that in addition to everything else that I'm doing over here. And like I'm answering the phone. I'm I'm making pies. I'm waiting on the customers. Because a lot of times I'll put a pie in the oven, 
for the first five or six minutes, you don't have to check it. And that's what a lot of pizzerias do. They're putting the pie in the oven and they're going over there and checking it every 30 seconds. And I see people wasting time. I go out and I try to help these other pizza makers that I'll know. I'll, I'll tell them they have to get a timer and whatever. If you want your pie to cook in eight minutes, set the thing for eight minutes. Now, you, you know, they don't need that don't even occur to them. You know what I'm saying? They've been in business all their life and they don't, you know, and those little digital timers, I just noticed I got some that are 10 years old already. I mean, they're beautiful. Like these ones over here. Look, you see it? Can you see it? Yes, I can see it. Yes. Set that for like eight minutes or 10 minutes. And then you go back and check it, you know? And, um, but, but that is true. Like I, I get the strangest requests. One guy, he wants the pie brown on top and white on the bottom. The other guy wants it brown on the top, white on the bottom. And somebody wants the one hit, one side of the pie well done, and one side not well done. Listen, I know how to do all that. Like, say if you want one side well done, I just leave that one side turned more to, like, the hot side, like where the burner is, so then it will, will cook on even, so I don't really have to, like, turn that one as much. Then you have these old customers, the real old Italians, they want the bottom, like, with, a, like, a quarter inch of, like, burnt tar on the bottom. And I, and I can make it like come like that, that too. I'll eat the pizza any way it comes out of that oven. As long as it's not like 90% like carbon, I, it's still, to me, it's it's still edible and I'm still, still getting enjoyment out of it. And I'm just telling you what I was taught. And, and I'm the type of person that whatever my father taught me or told me, I try to disprove him. Okay. Because that's how I was. Whatever he told me, I didn't believe it. And I spent my whole life trying to disprove everything the guy told me. But you know what? Every God, last thing that the guy told me was a God's honest truth. Never could find one thing wrong with what he told me or taught me. Everything was the gospel truth. So now, all that took me all these years. But that's all done now. Everything he said and... Sometimes I remember things in my head that he told me 50 years ago that I'm just getting around to like making sure that I'm doing them now. Even though I've been doing this stuff for 40 years, certain things that I remember him telling me popped into my head. I forget what the latest thing was because I don't I don't keep all the records all written down. You know, you know, something's in your head and then say, oh, yeah. And then, you know, but there's things floating around in my head that I'm sure I was taught that I'm just really getting around to proving them and 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 making sure now, like as far as like, they're called baking tricks, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got a, I got a million baking tricks to, to make everyone come perfect. That, that's really, really hard. And uh, what, and, I, and I, got, I got all different kinds of customers. I got like, I did this real nice thing. I posted it on Facebook. The old customers, if they were going to say, you're going to take the pizza back to Chicago, right? And you call me, uh, whatever, in the morning. I'll make the pizza. I'll put it on the cooling rack like you're supposed to. And then when the thing achieves room temperature, then I'll put it in the box, okay? So that when you get, when you do it like that, that's the proper way of doing it. So I do that for people sometimes. Get Just take it out, put it on the cooling rack. And then when it cools, of course, he's going to heat it up later. You don't want to take a hot pizza and stick it in a box and close the lid. But some of these things I'm giving you are real secrets that other pizzerias never figured out. 
I'll, I'll give you one secret right now because I'm getting old. I'll give you a couple secrets. The one I'll give you, there's a bunch of reasons, but one reason you make the pie on the well done side is that solves the problem that they had where they would put the pizza in the box, take it out, it looks like it's done. Okay, pizza looks good. Now you're going to take the pizza home. You put it in the box, you close the lid. Now what happened? All that steam coming off the pizza is trapped in the box. It goes back into your pizza and it uncooks your pizza. You get that? You're Very interesting. I didn't know that. Dropping all the steam into there. That's what the little vent holes are for. That helps. That what? Because if you didn't have the vent holes on there, then you'd be even worse off. Okay. That that's another story. Getting into all the nitty gritty of how all that you get around all that. But you so say if you're gonna cut cook the pizza seven minutes, now you're gonna cook it for eight or ten until you see a lot of that moisture coming out. Then you can put it in a box and close it, and the pizza's going to be fine when you get it home. It's going to be cooked or whatever. And that's it. That solved that problem. But a lot of people to this day still never figured out what I'm telling you. So they don't want to They don't want to have pies to be to delivered. They don't want to have pies to go because people complain when they get home, the pizza's a wet noodle. Now, your place, you do not have uh, tables inside, correct? No, it's only takeout. I mean, I did have a, a couple bars where people could go and eat the pies at, but, but since COVID, those places sadly went out of business and I haven't replaced them because you got to have a good relationship with somebody to have that going on. But as far as over here, no, it's only takeout and um, I'm really just too busy. You know what I mean? I could, I could turn the front store into a sit down and all that, but I'm as busy as I could be now. I, I, how am I going to make do any more? So my little story um, for what I saw the day I was there is you have a lot of people will take it. Apparently, you know, they must live close by. They they work close by or people like myself who's from Chicago or out of town. They just go. There's a church next to you. There's a parking lot. Uh, and it's OK to just stand there and eat the pizza. And, and, you know, on a nice day, they can go to a couple of nice parks and sit at a picnic table. Or if it's not too busy, I'll let them sit right here on the driveway. I got a bench out there, you know? It's, it's like, you know, you got to you know, it, 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 It's fine just being in the church parking lot because that pizza is so good, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'd rather have your pizza standing up in a church parking lot than a bad pizza sitting down in a nice atmosphere. Well, those are the customers that I'm looking for because – I always get a, a little chuckle out of, you know, you keep eating pizza all your life. You're a different person that just eats pizza once in a while and, and they eat all the other food too. You know what I mean? Like, you know, Italians, certain Italians, not even Italian, but certain people don't, they're pizza people. And they, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And uh, the pizza people, what was I just going to say? They, uh, if you're not a pizza person, if you go to a bar and he's got pizza and you can have a beer with it, it's like they give the place a couple extra points because they could sit there and have a beer. Say if the pizza's a six, but really if he could sit there and drink beer with it, now it's a seven or an eight. And right, for sure. <laughs> for sure. No, there was other people too standing up eating and you could tell that I'm sure you get a lot of out-of-towners now. You're getting... Uh, 
you're getting a name for yourself. I know that, you know, uh, Barstool Pizza was by you. And, you know, that's how we eventually, that's how we uh, uh, discovered you in the first place. I got something funny to say about that. I got, I, I'm always working on my one-liner comebacks. So anybody that's been giving Dave a dig lately, you know how they how he, all the trolls like to say bad things about him. I tell him, at least he's good for something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for sure because that's how uh, that's how we found you. Um, that's something like my mother would have said if you said something. So, well, at least he's good for something, you know, as he's implying, right? Yes. Or nothing. <laughs> yes. Now, tell me a little bit about your menu. That as well as everything else is extremely unique. You you have a lot of pizzas named after years. I have very persistent customers. You would not believe this because I can't believe it. My grandfather died in 1959. Now, he died of leukemia. And I hope the Italians, my father would have always grew up revering his father. That's all I heard was stories about my grandfather, what a beautiful man he was. He worked every day of his life to within two weeks of dying, which he went to the hospital and died. He had cancer. And and and, and you see, can you see me? Yes. Right here, they cut a hole in his head somewhere here, and they just let the cancer ooze out, and he would dry it with like a, a handkerchief. There was nothing they could do for you. That's all they could do. And whatever pain he was in, he was in pain. And the guy got up and he made a, a 250 loaves of bread a day and, and, and still made the pizza at night to within two weeks of him dying. But that's a good person. He went to the hospital and he died. And that was, he was, he didn't even make it. He made it to 64. So he died like two weeks before he turned 65 and never got to collect his social security. So that was the story. But now getting back to where my father, grandfather had a location on Magnolia Avenue. He lost the place on Fourth Avenue during World War II because he was already starting to get sick and there was no men around. So he was actually out of business for about nine months or something because he because there was no he couldn't do it. Then my father came home from World War II and they went and they opened up this other place on Magnolia Avenue. They were partners over there. So he wasn't out of business that long. But when he went to Magnolia Avenue, all the customers that he had on Magnolia Avenue, I'm telling you, just last week I posted it on Facebook. People still coming in that how many years ago did my father, grandfather die? If he died in 1959, like 63 years ago? 63 years ago. So the customers are coming in, they're 80. So they were 17 years old, right? Buying pieces off my grandma. They're still coming here. That's incredible. Yeah, so like, you know, I can, and why am I doing this? Look, it's kind of like it's ingrained in me to get up and do this. You know what I'm saying? Why do I keep getting up and like torture myself? Because it's it's really it's really brutal physical work. It's because you gotta get I got the way I'm doing it right now, I gotta get up. Five, six o'clock in the morning on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning. And I do all the prep work myself. And then I just have a couple kids come in and help me, like, when it's time to, like, start making the pies. But all that other work, making the dough, scaling the dough, rolling the dough, was just got to come just right. If that don't come just right, then all those things that you're going to taste, they're not going to happen. You got to have somebody with my level of experience doing it 
And uh, there's not too many guys around that that could do it. Well, your website says devotion to excellence. Yeah, well, that's a good good model. I don't remember seeing that one on there. Oh, it's there. <laughs> it's there. I didn't make, I didn't make that up. You put that there. I know devotion is the word. I'm definitely devoted. You for sure are. And uh, it's so I had a plain, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, large, or do you go by inches? I, I've forgotten. Uh, different people use different systems, but <clears throat> a 12 inches is small, 16 inches is large, 18 inches is extra large. I do have a couple of 14s, but those are the exceptions to the rule. I got a 14-inch. It's called the 59 style. Few people like it a little thicker. So I can accomplish all this with the same piece of dough. Like the, the thicker one, I can squish it in. The extra large one, like the extra thin one, I can stretch it out. So I can do all that. I don't have to have all different sizes. The small one, I got to make that a special weight. Then the Sicilian right. is their special weight too. And then oh. being and system being, I got such a big huge oven. I got the eighteen by twenty six inch sheet pans. That these things they were here when I was a kid. So they're the same black steel pans. That's another thing. I don't know if you can get them. I saw some guys selling them on the internet because, as far as I know, nobody else can get them. But the reason that they're black steel pans is that. These things, when they're made, they're tempered at 740 degrees, okay? And then that makes them, so when you put them in the oven, even though the oven's real hot, they don't warp and bend like a cheaper pan will do. I don't know if you ever had that experience of putting a pan in the oven and it kind of like twists up on you. Can't have that. That's why these pans are special. They're, they're not going to do that and they're going to stay in contact with the brick so that you transfer in that heat. And they got, and you see a lot of these guys trying to cook on like a silver pan. The silver pan has to be coated with olive oil. It's a lot of work. You got to put it in the oven and you got to put that black coating on there. That you're making your own Teflon coating out of olive oil. So you're not having the problem with a Teflon coating that's poisonous. It's like same thing that you're going to do with a cast iron pan. You put a little olive oil on it. Throw it in the oven 20 minutes. When it comes out, you got the best coating in the world that you could possibly have. But once in a while, you gotta you gotta take all that and you gotta scrape it all back down to bare metal and do them again. It's constant maintenance with these pans. But places don't do that no more. They'll take it, they'll put a piece of what do they call like a like a baking sheet of paper under there and they'll cook it on the paper. No good. Tried that no good you have to you got it you can't change what i'm doing because these people knew what they were doing before i was born it ain't for me to come over here and start changing everything just to make it easier it says if it comes down to that you just raise the price and the people will pay because the quality will always sell don't change the recipe because i remember when i was young i'd want to change the recipe because every time a customer comes in that don't know nothing, oh, there's too much sauce, or there's not enough sauce, or this and that. The pizza makers are running over there trying to change the recipe to make one guy happy. Don't do it. So would you say that your um, 
perhaps most popular item is the 1964. And if you could explain what that is. And that's a wonderful story. When I was a kid, my father, I was real little. So I was 57. I had to be about seven years old. And the pizza, my father wanted to make the best even back then. He would charge a dollar more for Santillos than everybody else, but he'd give you a better pizza. So he had all the nice, not only that, you get all the nice customers by charging more. You actually get a better clientele. And the ones that don't want to pay, they'll go someplace else if they don't want to pay an extra dollar. But <clears throat> every pizza, when you answered the phone, he used to say, do you want it? Pecker, do you want Romano cheese or Parmesan cheese sprinkled on your pizza? And they would have a choice because my father had his own cheese, man. That was nice. He had his own cheese. He didn't, he didn't go to work through a supplier. He had a cheese, man, that only sold cheese. So then they would make up their mind. Then I don't know if you remember this, how old you are, but this was probably the worst inflation of my lifetime. It happened in the early 60s. And I don't know the real reason behind it. Probably went after they took the miracle off the gold standard. And first, all your coins were 100% silver. Do you remember that? Uh, then, a little before my time. Okay, so here's what happened. All the coins, you had silver dollars and silver half dollars and silver quarters and silver dimes. And they took all the silver out. And then 1964, I think it was, was 10% silver. And then, or it might have been 65, but then after that, they took all the silver out. Now you only have what's called base metals. Your money's made out of base metal. So there's nothing of value in there at all. So that was really bad inflation. So then that cheese got real expensive. And at the same time, the people didn't want to pay any extra for it. So my father and the people really weren't. The customers he would get, and they couldn't tell the difference if they only had mozzarella or romano or, or parmesan cheese. So he would just he just gave started putting just the mozzarella cheese on the pie, like you see all the pizzas today. They mostly just give you dough, sauce, and mozzarella cheese. So that was back in '64. Then uh, I wanted, to, like like I said, that was working on my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like like, like what? So then I and. So then I said, I'm going to come up with the reason I came out with that one was the, the people that were my grandfather's customers that kept coming in and telling me about my grandfather's pizza that that's what the 1457 is. He only made that once back then. My grandfather's day, they only made one size round pie of 14 inch. If you wanted more pizza, you bought two. Wasn't like today is kind of stupid where you're going to buy a small, a medium, a large. No, just buy two mediums and then makes it easy for the pizza maker. You only got to keep making that one size. So, but whatever, whatever, that's what happened with, it became all different sizes. So like two mediums, two mediums would be like an extra large, you know what I'm saying? But whatever happened, I don't know, but that's how the world became. And then, uh, so first one, I first year pie came out was the 57. That was because all my grandfather's customers kept coming in here asking for that. So it was easy for me just to do it for him. So then that was the 57. And then I started thinking about how the pizza changed over all the years. Because when I first started over here, 
myself in the early 80s, man, people might remember this. The pizza maker would put one handful of cheese on. Then I guess it was some kind of a pizza wars or whatever. They started putting two big handfuls of cheese on every pie. And then all the customers all became like it became like a like a just a big cheesy pie. It'd be a, they'd have a little drop of sauce and a big bunch of cheese. And then that's like I don't know if, how many places are like that, but that became like the predominant style. You know what I mean? So I thought about all that and I remembered how all those were. I didn't come back right with the 1980s one yet, but uh, I got the 1990. That became when it's like first Santillo's was lucky because we were in the Italian neighborhood. We were all, all Italian customers. They had a tat and everything was for like real Italians and their tastes. You're not going to tell me that Italians and Americans have the same taste because they don't. They have Americans have one way of eating stuff, and then the Italians have another way of eating stuff. They're not the same. So you try to make one thing to make everybody happy. It's hard because they got different tastes. Very true. So Santillo's Brick Oven Pizza is at 639 South Broad Street in Elizabeth, New Jersey. You're on uh, Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're on Instagram. That's correct. And your hours of operation, because if people are going to plan a trip around coming by you, tell me the hours. Okay. I know. Listen, pizza tourism is a thing. I I do it myself. I went up to all those places in Connecticut just to try their pizzas. It's a thing now. It's okay. I would go places for food. People travel, and then they do other things while they're there. Food is the food is the draw, and um, we're asked you could get a pie Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from eleven a.m. until ten p.m. So there's no excuse that you can't make it. Friday gives you a weekday, and then Saturday and Sunday I got the whole you got the whole weekend from early in the morning, and a lot of times eleven o'clock there's people out there waiting already. Well, that's what I was gonna say. We went there on a Friday. And we got there at a quarter two and there was a line out the door. So is there is is there any lull time uh, for the well, people listening so that they don't have to wait in a line? Late afternoon, early evening, maybe? Exactly. Like the early afternoon and then later at night, it gets slow, like like eight, nine o'clock, like it starts getting quiet. The, that that's when the right now, but th- things could change. But as far as right now, and you, they don't really usually wait too long. Like the most they're really going to wait is like a half hour. I use. Oh no, you're right. It was not a long wait at all. I I mean I got on a plane you know, from <laughs> Chicago. We could wait thirty minutes. Yeah, that's not that wasn't a problem. One thing about Chicago is it's kind of a short plane flight, and tell the people I'm literally only five minutes from Newark Airport. Right? Yes. Yes, you were about five minutes from New York. So, is in Elizabeth. They don't tell you that. Well, they now they call it EWR, uh, Liberty. Now they call it Liberty Airport. But one third of Newark Airport sits in Elizabeth. Terminal A is in Elizabeth. If you didn't know, so if you came at the Terminal A, you landed in Elizabeth. But uh, so yeah. my last question. Yeah. What is the future? of Santillo's Pizza. Well, 
Somebody just asked me that the other day, and, and I, I don't mean it in a kidding around way, but I'm going to stay here until something happens to me. You know, I have a stroke or a heart attack or something happens and I can't do it, then that's going to be the end of me. But but until then, you know, as long as like, like now, like you see, I'm only open to three days a week because that's, I need those other days to recover because I'm 65 now. I don't have, I just ain't got it. Like yesterday I was tired. Today I'm still kind of tired. You know, I get spurts where I'm feeling better, but uh, it's got a lot to do with that. I don't have the energy. Like you imagine how many years, like I was raised where I was working 15 hours a day, you know, six, seven days a week, you know, for year after year after year. I don't know how I did it. Like that's just ingrained in me to work like that. And that's my one, one friend comes in here and says, I never saw anybody with capacity to work like you do. <laughs> what he calls wow. I got, I got capacity. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I say out to everyone out there, the, uh, the pizza uh, fans and the, and the people that uh, uh, live and die with pizza, it's it put it on, it's on their bucket list. You have to go to Santillo's and uh, I would, I would go sooner than later. Correct. Well, like I said, I'm the last guy standing now. I mean, anything could happen to me. You know, that I think about that as you're getting older. What if I go to sleep and don't wake up tomorrow? I mean, who the hell knows? No, you're right. You're right. But you are truly, you, you are like that? a... Wait, wait, you remember that commercial for Ronzoni, Anthony from the Ronz used to go, Anthony! Remember that commercial? Yes, the pasta company. He's the same age as me. He went to sleep when he was 64. He didn't wake up the next day. He had real bad sleep apnea. He wasn't taking care of it. He just died in his sleep. And that was the end of Anthony. So, no, uh, you're you're very right. You're very true. Uh, I got we, a friend now. He only, was only like 52. <clears throat> had a massive stroke. They kept him alive for a few more months. Then he wound up dying. So, you know, you don't know. He had he had all the stroke symptoms. And he, he didn't want to go, he didn't get to the hospital fast enough, and that was it. I mean, right now, I got a couple people that are, my son, one son knows what he's doing. I got another friend that worked here on and off, like, since he's 20 years old. He knows what he's doing somewhat, but to do it at the level of that I'm doing it, that's the whole thing. <clears throat> Nowadays, if you want to, you know, by the end of the week, you got to take home a paycheck to live in New Jersey. You got to be making a lot of pizzas. You just can't come over here and make a few with them because you ain't going to be able to afford to live over here. No, you're right. And you have to be devoted to it. You have to be devoted to it. And, you know, like your uh, website says, devotion, excellence. So, uh, Al, I appreciate your time. And uh, you are a uh, you're a pizza genius. You're a, you're a throwback that continues a tradition. Um, your establishment, the oven and yourself is uh different than anywhere else so we appre we appreciate it thank you and to everyone out there get to santillo's in elizabeth new jersey and try this pizza because you will be blown away well pizza is supposed to be exactly exactly al thank you and uh i look forward to my next pizza by you frank it was a pleasure and i look to meeting you next time you get down here it sounds great. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.